Hi, everyone. Welcome to the completely unnecessary podcast for Tuesday. It's wow, it's a new year. January 5th, 2021. Is this our first one of the new? It is. Yeah. That's Ian Ferguson. I'm Pat Contry. I just got my flying car parked outside. I just bought it brand new. Where are the flying cars? You lied to us in the 50s. Jesus Christ. You and John making the same what? exact joke. To they open. lied to us in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> They lied. This is exactly how John opened the most recent extra napkins, bitching about flying cars. Okay, well, it, it annoys me. Um, on the show today, we're talking about uh, Nintendo dropping 3DS and DSiWare games, uh, a Bleem returning, an update on the Intellivision Amico because we have to talk about it, and uh, maybe a Q&A. Uh, Ian, how was your weekend here? It was, uh, it was fine. Um Vani started watching. I guess Vani and I started trying to watch that uh, Blood of Zeus show that's on Netflix. I don't know if you saw it. It's like a new adult cartoon, uh, but I think it's uh, it, instead of it being like a um, instead of it being Blood like a Japanese animation studio, I think it's a Western animation studio, and that's the big deal. It's really nicely animated, but I just can't get into the story. Um, other than that, I've been reading a book on Antarctica that is particularly. Um, oh, I saw some of this Blood of Zeus. This was a mythology one. Yeah. It, it, okay, it, I saw it, a little it, bit of it. It doesn't really have anything. To... Well, the characters are mythological. Yeah, it, I mean, it's whatever. It, it looks nice. I wish I was more interested in the story. Because it is nice to kind of see, like... It reminds me animation There's all demons. And they, the demons, um, I forget, they like they take over human bodies. Is that what happens? Yeah, like if a, I recall correctly. You gotta like, yeah, cut their heads off or something? I forget. Um, yeah, it looked pretty good. But... Uh, it reminds me of like a, I don't know. It reminds me of like an '80s cartoon, but with the blood and the gore and all that stuff. You know, it, like it, Voltron. Uh, I, I guess it just it, it, it strikes me Thundercats? as Thundercats. More like Thundercats. More like yeah, a little bit more yeah. like that, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's all right. I just it didn't grab me as much as I was hoping it would. So yeah, other than that, I have nothing really to say. I started playing Ease One again last night. I played Sin and Punishment for the N64 because I never played video games. Um, and uh, it was fun. It's fun. It's tough. I played on normal difficulty. The default's easy because I looked at some gameplay videos like, how do you get past this part? I was like, wow, why is it taking so much less hits to, ki- to beat that boss? Oh, I'm playing on normal, which is what you should do when you're reviewing it, I think, professionally. S- set on the default. But I can't imagine playing it on the hard mode. So you don't know, Sin and Punishment, people out there, is a, it's a third-person rail shooter. It didn't come out here. Um, which is funny because the, the voice acting is in English, so I'm, I'm not sure why they didn't just localize the menus and put it out here. It wouldn't have taken that much work at that point to do that. But they didn't think it was going to sell. <clears throat> Arcade-style shooter. I think it was later on in the system's lifespan. Yeah, too. late late 2000. Yeah. Um, but got great reviews at the time. I gave it a great review. Um, if you play through it, it's almost like a elongated arcade game because the, the gameplay is probably about an hour if you know what you're doing. It's about 26 minutes of cutscenes, though. With full voice acting. That's a lot for an N64 game. Oh, I yeah. was surprised. I, can't, I couldn't think of the top of my head, and I'm not a big N64 expert. Uh, I couldn't think of another game that had that much voice acting in it for the N64 to that extent. No. Did they have Did they have voice acting in, in the Resident Evil 2 on, on N64 or no? 
probably, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not the person to talk to you about. But the I mean, the top 64. of my head, I couldn't, I couldn't think of it because obviously on cartridges it took a lot, took a lot more space than on a on a CD for like a PlayStation. So that's one of the the, the things against the N64. By that point, they probably figured out the compression, I guess, a little bit more. But um, anyway, so yeah, it was it was fun playing that the week, and I and I reviewed it, and um, uh, damned if I could follow the plot of that game. It's a cult hit, but and they even did like a, I think they did like a book. In Japan, the plot is so out there that I just thought, I, zo- I zoned down the story like three quarters of the way through. After the third <laughs> plot twist, I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Just give me back. I didn't skip. No, I wanted to press the skip button. I said, "I'll, I'll sit through these cutscenes and figure out what is happening." And by the end, I didn't know what was happening. At the end, but but spoilers at the end, you are facing an alternate Earth. You basically are fighting on your planet, but have to fight another Earth that's trying to destroy your Earth. And at that point, I'm like, "Okay, just play the game. Don't." Don't worry about the plot. Yeah, I mean you can't you can't trouble yourself too much with that. But, it, but it's a fun real shooter. Check it out uh, there. If, if, if it isn't too expensive to import, uh, I also I also watched some of Cobra Kai season three. It came out. It came to Netflix, and they put season one and two on only like three and a half months ago, four months ago. I think it was like September, and then they had shot this so long ago, probably like a year ago before COVID. Yeah, I thought so, season three was supposed to come out a while back, right? But um, but due to obviously Netflix getting, they probably want to space it out a little bit. But um, uh, it's diminishing returns at this point for Cobra Kai. It, it's um, the nostalgia, the, the nostalgia, um, cloth. No rag has been wrung almost dry at this point for the nostalgia. It's it's like, mm, how much more can we get? I'm just waiting for Mike Barnes to come back from the third movie. At that point, it's done. <laughs> was, was I'm sure they're gonna bring bring back everyone from the third movie. They're going to bring back the guy who founded Cobra Kai, probably, from the third movie. Uh, was it? Uh, God. Uh, Mike Barnes was the one facing LaRusso. But the guy chewing the scenery was, God, what is his name? And that was one of his first times he acted, I think I saw, um, that actor. Uh, Terry Terry Silver, the evil corporate dude like who's literally on the phone like in a bathtub with his fancy 1930s gold telephone saying I don't care about toxic waste dump it anywhere but then being the fact that he's probably close to a billionaire also still cares about a local uh, you know karate dojo thing going on because because uh, spoilers if you didn't see their movie uh, Kreese saved his life in Nob so that's his way of paying him back so that's how they tie in that but, but in season 3 of Cobra Kai, they're actually trying to humanize Kreese by showing his backstory and him going to Nam and going through that, and that's how he developed the Cobra Kai mentality of being tough because of surviving. And it's like, okay, you're trying to humanize Kreese, I get it. I get it. But the stuff with LaRusso is getting uh, tired <laughs> by season three. He's just not he's not an engaging character to stay around, I think, for this amount of time. I enjoyed the first season. Uh, I just... It didn't. But the first season, Larusso wasn't so much fifty-fifty. Now he's totally fifty-fifty to the plot. Like he's also he's the co-protagonist. He wasn't so much in the first season. He was like thirty percent there, and now it's like now it's dead fifty-fifty. And I, and I liked it more when it framed Larusso more as the asshole. Now it's like, well, he's just a guy trying to do a guy doing his, stuff, doing his car, his car business in the valley, and it's like, okay, all right. Sorry, that's all I got on that. That's all right. The nostalgia can at this point is, is eating me alive. The over nostalgia, I'm, I've, I've aged thirty years the past couple of years when it comes to nostalgia stuff. Where I'm just like, what? 
No, nostalgia gets to be a bit much for me too. I, I, I one of the, I mean, I heard that Wonder Woman eighty four is not a good movie. Oh, at, at all? Yeah, I heard. I heard. I'm not sure because is it just because the eighties is too much? Or? No, I heard it's just a bad, it's movie. Just a bad movie. But, but, but I mean, the 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 focus on the eighties is one of the reasons why I'm just like I don't I don't need to. It's not fresh this. anymore. It's not for. I, I, it 80s. rarely was. I. I mean, the, no, I, it was. I. I, I remember. Uh, I just remember being in the nineties, and I remember like this, I remember being in the. And 90s. I remember the set, like growing up, being like a teenager in the seventies stuff, having its like big comeback, and my parents yeah. cringing and rolling their eyes and gritting their that teeth. That seventies show it. came out. And yeah, like, and all that stuff, and it's the same exact thing that's happening to us. Dipping back into the past for a quick nostalgia hit. It's not fresh. Well, to that seventy show credit, it was just the backdrop. They didn't lean on no, the seventy no, stuff. No, I'm not specifically just talking show. about that seventy yeah. show. I'm talking about but, the fact that you know every decade before the eighties has gone through this, and the nineties is going through it now. But this is not going to because the eighties is like this weird decade where I think it's going to stand out going forward because it's because we look at when I watch the eighties commercial every Wednesday on Twitch, twitch.tv slash country code. The eighties was the decade of 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 the boomers being in their twenties and thirties now, and wanting to go back to the 50s um, at that point, or even the early 40s. They go back to the 50s. So it was like 30 years later. We're approaching 40 years later now. I hate to say it from the 80s. We're approaching 40 years later. I don't think this is going to die off because the 80s is such a like sort of like iconic like sort of look of and feel of the culture and everything that happened. And since so many things from the 80s are now disappearing... I feel like you could say that about the 70s, though, too. No, no, no. Malls are disappearing... Physical media cassettes have come back. This is all stuff entrenched in the eighties. Like it, it's it's particular to the eighties. That's that's what I mean. I, and um, I, I don't think it's, uh, younger women are wearing eighty styles without realizing it's eighty styles right now. It's 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 a, it's a whole thing. It's it's a thing. So anyway, what was I saying? Yeah, nostalgia. I think I think I, I think I tapped out when I heard they're making a Punky Brewster re- reboot, and I was like, Ooh, okay, I'm done. Uh, yeah. That, that is the quintessential. I said to people, that's the quintessential '80s show. Like that represents the '80s in so many ways. Punky Brewster, so many freaking ways. Yeah, it was only on for like three and a half years, I think. But we think it's like, oh, it was the '80s. No, it was like three, four years. Punky Brewster, that was it. I was going to be surprised if it was even on for that. But they had like the Challenger episode. She's she's like a wacky little orphan with a with a. It, it's like an Annie re, re, retelling kind of. It's a weird thing that belongs in the, the 80s. I've seen all these commercials for these 80s sitcoms that would never, ever even get a sniff today. It's like, wow, they were they were witches in medieval times transported to the, to the 80s. And it's like, I never heard of any of these sitcoms, but there was tons of stuff like that. These hot, like, <laughs> these like, uh, really big idea 80s sitcoms that failed. Punky Brewster should have failed. But it was the one that took off and it got... It definitely should have failed. But it was the one that took off and even got a cartoon show. You know, so... Well, we're talking about the 80s. Yes. That's what's happening. Uh, speaking of the 80s... The Atari VCS is now in people's hands. The Atari VCS is in people's hands. You can play Cyberpunk on it. Kind yeah, of. Kind of. So it's interesting. I thought I shot the alert off there on my Discord. Um, so it's... it's uh, the, the article's from Comic Book... Uh, was it Resources? Resource. Cyberpunk 2077 is unplayable on Xbox One and PS4, but it does barely run on Atari VCS. Whether or not it should is another story. That's that's a great little tag there yeah. on the lead there. Um, and basically, uh, it, it goes into some details here. Continue scrolling to keep reading. So since it's a PC, you're a little bit closer to functionality. 
with, with Cyberpunk on the Atari VCS. In theory, that version is should be the most playable if a decent enough setup. Right? That's the theory. Right. And, I mean, uh, so you just put the damn thing into sandbox mode and yeah. you see what you can squeeze out of it. Um, he had to work around the... So the guy that did it was uh, this guy named uh, uh, Kenson here. Kevin Kenson. Kevin... Is it Kevin? Oh, no. Sorry, Kevin. Um, so the VCS, he had to work on the console's limitations. The VCS has 8 gigs of RAM and lacks, lacks a graphics card. Uh, so I struggled to boot games up without some modifications. <laughs> So you can upgrade, but you can upgrade, since it's a computer, you can upgrade the RAM directly. That was one of the features of, of having the different models of the VCS is that right. one has more memory. So that wouldn't be that hard. Uh, is there a graphics card slot in this, though? Probably not. That's what I, I probably not on, on this board. So at that point, you're really going to struggle. He had increased the po- the page file size of the system. Wow, I remember doing that at Windows 7 and Windows 98. Yeah, holy shit. That's basically like, um, like was it, it was virtual memory or something like that? Or it had to do with like uh, the, the amount of space that's easily swappable, the, the the files back and forth. It's to speed up the system, basically. You're, you're fucking around there with Windows to do it. You're hacking it. Uh, uh, okay, so we did that. He meant telling the VCS about half the space that was made available by, by the set- those settings tweaks. All that space became virtual RAM. The system could use to run beefier games. There you go. You're basically using hard drive space as RAM. Right. It, it, it's it's a, it's a workaround, which I guess can work. So there you have it. Doom, Doom Eternal didn't boot, though. <laughs> but Cyberpunk did, which is funny. I, it's crazy to me. Like, I, I still want to know what people are actually going to do with these Atari VCSs because... Um, Emulation device. Yeah, I guess. I guess that's right. about it. Because, uh, yeah, like, Hades, it's talking about how Hades, you know, became playable on the VCS, but um, games like Fortnite need to be run at minimum settings. That's that's less power than I would have expected, I think, from from this thing in sandbox <sighs> mode. Um, yeah, so they... Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any pictures of uh, Cyberpunk running. No. I'm sure it's on the slowest settings possible. Yeah, it didn't run particularly well. Even with every setting at minimum, the game's struggles are amplified on the VCS. You can practically count the frames per second as you move through Night City. So All right. it, it is technically functional, but yeah, not really playable, I would say. Yeah, I can't find I can't find the link from this article. I, sh- I should Oh, here it is. Oh, it's right there. Oh, it's right down there. Okay, here it is. It's the it, the video's down below here. And it's not, and of course now it's not running because it's like the Atari VCS. It's just, it's just, it's, try, it's spinning and spinning the video. All right, we'll come back to that. Uh, Quibi update. We got an update in Quibi. Update. So Quibi. Oh my God. Yeah. No, sorry. Now I'm watching the video. It's running. Okay. It's like fifteen to twenty frames a second. Fifteen frames a second. It's playable. <laughs> it's playable. Here's okay. Here you go, Ian. Did you see the video? No, no. I'm... It's like, it's like you're drunk. He's like, whoa. Is that is that is that running it? Is that is that is that Cyberpunk or is that another game? I don't know. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. No, he's playing it. It's it's just really low. Okay. Um. So Roku is a service out there. Um. That's like it's like streaming devices. It's a brand name, right? Yeah, basically they were they were kind of like the first big popular like set top streaming box. They were so, one of those. So if you didn't have like a PlayStation Three or a Three Sixty to use like the Netflix app on, you could get it. You could buy a Roku, which essentially did all the streaming stuff. And- Before there was a lot of streaming ten years ago when these things came out, like Boxy Box. I thought that was going to be the big runaway hit. It wasn't. Uh, but Roku is the one that um, really has come on. Like, it's, it's basically an Android box. Right? Yeah. 
you can do other stuff on it. You can you can load up your own files and watch them on some of these, mm-hmm. right? Things like that. Some people use basically they basically pirate. They can be pirate boxes as well. So Quibi, remember Quibi, the the biggest entertainment failure we've ever heard of. Remember I do not Quibi? remember Quibi. Well, Quibi. At least oh, I was hoping to quickly forget it. Quibi uh, came about after COVID and before we got the vaccine. That's how short the time frame was uh, for Co- uh, for uh, for Quibi. Hopefully, COVID it, it runs out at the same rate, but. It's, uh, it's still progressing. Um, Quibi is in advanced talks to sell its content catalog to Roku, according to people familiar with the matter, as the short-form streaming service winds down its operations following an unsuccessful run. I think, well, the app is done. You can't even, the app doesn't even load anymore. It doesn't, doesn't, doesn't even say, like, oh, we're done. And there's no like even page saying, hey, we're gone. No, the servers are gone. It just, just hangs. They, they <laughs> shut down the servers like nothing's even on them anymore. <laughs> it's embarrassing. What an embarrassment. Yeah, wow. Um, this is, remember, this was this was a one point seven five seven five billion dollar investment founded by the movie mogul Jeffrey Katzenberg, an ambitious plan to, to develop high end content for mobile phones. We saw how that turned out. Woo! Never gained traction after launch in April, and in October said it was shutting down. Uh, Roku is the most popular streaming media player in the U.S., so they're pushing into content with its own ad supported app, the Roku Channel. See Quibi. Roku telling you how to do it. Just do ad-supported shit, and people always give your dumb programs a try with, with free with ads. That's all you had to do to give it a shot. But Roku's like, okay, we'll pick up the trash out of the dumpster. We'll try it. We'll try to recycle this garbage. Roku re- re- would require the rights to Quibi's library. Uh, financial terms were not, were not learned. Uh, Quibi shows with less than 10 ep- minutes in length feature such stars as Anna Kendrick. That was one with a sex doll that she was boyfriends with or some fucking weird thing. Uh, Liam Hemsworth and Sophie Turner. The shows include Most Dangerous Game, a thriller about human hunting, Dummy, a series about a talking sex doll. There it is. And Murder House Flip, a fusion of home improvement programming and true crime shows. That sounds awful. Yep. Sounds miserable. And now you know why. So the produ- so the deals were that Quibi basically was getting their shows leased to them that they were paying for. This is why it was so dumb. So they weren't owning it. Yeah, so they never. Now, that was, and we talked about that. They never truly owned any of the stuff that they were financing. Showing. Yeah, yeah. It's weird when Netflix produces a show; they they own it. Like that's it, it's theirs. You're not you're not gonna you're not gonna see uh, Stranger Things gone in five years. It's gonna stay there. Uh, not not with not with not with Quibi somehow. <laughs> so it's almost like the producers know it was gonna. Uh, the people running the show knew it was gonna fail. Like, oh, we want to hedge our bets here. We, right. we, want, we, know, we know this shit's gonna be. Fail. I feel like everyone um, who signed on board was like, "Well, yeah. it's a paycheck for a it, year. It's free. It's free money. Right. It's, it's it's free money, and we can get the content back. It's free real estate. So so Roku's trying to do this and build their their base up. And hey, they're gonna. If there's some diamonds in the rough here. I think one or two shows won an Emmy. It, it makes sense to do that. Um. So, their, their app launched in 2017. I had no idea about the Roku channel. So this is this is a, this is some basically they can get content for pennies in the dollar. That's what can happen here. Yeah, you know. Um, so, so, so like Warner Media has has its own HBO Max app. We're now we're now in the streaming wars officially. It wasn't clear. We're in the streaming wars going forward for the 2000, 2020s. We're in the 2020s. We're in the 2021s. We are. We're in the 21s. The official the official official start of the decade at the ones. If you want to get really technical, since there was no year zero, people forget that there should have been. But they at the time they're like, yeah, we don't we don't know if the times crossing over, so we don't know if there's a year zero. They didn't at the time they they were too dumb to realize that they didn't realize they were dumb two thousand years ago, right? They should have said, hey, well, hey, don't you feel it? Don't you feel it? It's not BC anymore. It's AD <laughs> in the year of our Lord. I forget the Latin. Uh, anyway. Anno Domini. There you go. Never took Latin. 
It took three years of it. I loved it. I absolutely fucking loved Latin. There's a few, there's some lost years in there, but hey, whatever. We, we, we're, everyone agrees at this point it's 2020, even though it probably isn't. <laughs> Close <laughs> there's, enough. There's a few lost years in there, probably, when they officially, when the Pope uh, uh, transferred, when, it, when the Pope uh, officially changed the calendar date. Was that in the first 400s or so? 500s? Someone will point that out. That I don't know. Someone got someone got on me for the, for my whole thing about the fish uh, and left a voicemail, which we'll get to maybe next week, and like try to give me a Wikipedia lesson that annoyed me as more I listened to it uh, about that. So people are listening about I'm make sure fish. I, about I said about Vatican, after Vatican II that you know you could eat fish on oh you, you know you can eat meat on Fridays after that except for Lent. There's a technicality to that. It wasn't exactly Vatican II, but it happened around the same time of that. So, I'll, anyway, that, that, sorry, that voice may have annoyed me in good spirit when I was listening to it. I was like, really? You're going to get me on that? Okay. <laughs> You're going to get me on that? Uh, oh, okay. Sorry. What was I saying? Yeah. So, Quibi still sucks, and the content probably won't do Roku a huge amount of good. But it, it's content. Yeah. Right? It's content. Uh, we don't have content at ultimatenintendo.com, but we do have wares you can buy physical items and digital. We got we got physical. Wow, that's the fourth time you yawned. We've got uh, the enamel pins. We've got the SNES books. We've got the pad on cameo. We've that, got that's the, not on the story. You see, we've, so we've, we've got the Twitch on Wednesday night. I'm not on cameo on this stuff. <laughs> I am on cameo cameo.com <laughs> slash pat country. It's this chunk here. That's all. Um, but yeah, so check us out there. Oh, the DVDs are on sale. I found. I stumbled upon a couple boxes of the volume threes. Oh ho so ho! Forty five percent off right now in the store. So there you the go. There. You, you want to see Alicia Dragoon boobies? This is the DVD for you right there. Get, get, get your thrills right there. From the lovely Julia Fair. Um, so you want to talk about the most convoluted cheat code ever? Yeah. So apparently this uh, this is new to me. Um, I haven't seen it. It's new to me. It's new to me. Um, uh, on Street Fighter Alpha 2 for the Super Nintendo, they discovered a extraordinarily ass-backwards code to unlock Shin Akuma. Um, here it is. It's rather crazy. You have to beat the arcade mode with a new high score. You have to enter the initials K-A-J. Then upon returning to the title screen and using a controller in the second player slot, the player must hold down the L, X, Y, and start buttons while another user navigates to versus mode with the first player controller. Then either player can hold the start button while selecting Akuma to unlock Shin Akuma. And you'll turn purple. Hold on. L? L, X, Y. X, Y. The top two. L, X, Y, and start. Whoa, you gotta like, your left thumb has to really come over to hit the start button. Otherwise, you gotta use. That's rough. That That's crab fingers right there. That's a little bit rough right there to do that. You Or, or you gotta use like a, like a like a wrench to keep those buttons down. Yeah. Yeah, so. I hold the Okay. So that, that, that's, that's insane. Yeah. Um, and apparently, you said that some people have said no, that's been known for a while. But uh, right. this 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 news came to us. I believe they were what reverse engineering the game, and that's how they discovered they, it. They, they looked in the code. Whoever you, you'd have to. How could you? That's not even. That's not a cheat code anymore. That's a weird ass. I don't know what to, what to call that. That's not a cheat code at that point. There's too many steps involved for the Yeah, that, that's that's weird and laborious enough that I would almost call it like a debug, but you're not debugging anything. No. You're, you're, unlo- <laughs> you're just unlocking the purple version of Akuma. So it's it's the same guy, it's just he's purple. Uh, I'm sure he has some differences. I don't know. Well, I, I don't know. You put it. all that work in to keep this hidden f- for so many years. Because, I, mean, w- I mean, was this discovered when the game was out? 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know, Ian? I don't know. I just don't know. Good news from Nintendo. They've done this. I think they've worked with Starlight before, right? Nintendo? I believe so. Um, Starlight. So, uh, Starlight is a company that makes video game... um, Video game console, what do you want to call them? Like kiosks, uh, or kiosks, kiosks, yeah, stations, uh, stations for hospitals, um, and they can be wheeled around uh, to various hospital rooms. Um, and they've uh, done Switch ones, and the Switch ones have twenty five games installed on them, uh, ranging from Mario Party to Legend of Zelda. I see some uh, Mario Tennis Aces on here. That's a that's a high quality rootin' tootin' game. I love. It's a rootin' tootin' game. Someone, someone rootin' tootin'. Someone called you me. You want a sarsaparilla? Someone called me a rootin' tootin' son of a bitch about two weeks ago online. Uh, early '80s AWA promo. What the fuck? <laughs> And I have been laughing about it ever since because root and tootin' is, is a, it's a funny combination of words. Um, so they've got these Switch ones now that they have um, been giving to hospitals that the uh, patients can play in their off time, which apparently has been uh, very important because with COVID, all of like the playrooms and fun centers and whatnot that are normally in children's hospitals yeah. have been closed well, down. I, I think about that. Jesus. Um I remember when we went to Rady's Children's Hospital to do like a, there's like a cutting on like some Xbox One. Remember we went down and they they were unveiling like the Xbox One stations that basically were the same kind of deal as this. And I remember um, them talking about it and how it's all made with like particular plastics and stuff that can... uh, that. They're like they're like res- resistant to germs, yeah, like bacteria. germ germ resistant um, plastics yeah. and stuff like that. Anti-mi- that's what these are made out of too. So that's the proper term, yeah, yeah, antimicrobial, antimicrobial. Be- Not sure about the controllers though. Fuck it. I guess controllers they got to like wrap, put a wrapper on them or something. But they probably need to put a wrapper on them or, or just severely disinfect them or just afterwards. Lysol, just Lysol them. Be yeah, fine. I'm sure they're spraying like down the shoes. systems too. But yeah, it's nice to see. And um, there you go, something 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 good and positive. Yeah. Over the past 28 years, they've they've partnered with Nintendo for 28 years. They've delivered 7,200 Starlight Nintendo gaming stations to over 800 hospitals and healthcare facilities all over the country. I remember seeing some GameCube ones at Radius, and I think that's actually maybe what those Xbox One ones were replacing, because I remember them saying that their their older gaming stations were kind of like out of date. Don't diss the old GameCube out there. I'm yeah. not. I'm just saying. But, hey, kids want to play that Fortnite Kids want to play that. Mine. I remember the kids were playing. Remember the kids play Minecraft. Minecraft, Minecraft we was the big. That one was a big one at the time. We that was like there. 2016. I would imagine that Minecraft is probably still a big one. Well, you can get, well you can get that on the Switch right now, can't you? Yeah. So there yeah, you go. Absolutely. It's still it's still holding on. All right, Bean Dad. We got to talk Bean Dad. I don't really um, have any. <laughs> at this point, I think I'm over Bean. We don't Dad. talk about a lot of stuff that goes viral on the internet. We try to keep this pop culture gaming. You know, we 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 we, we rarely talk about politics because people people lose their shit. By the way, go vote in Georgia today on on the, on the Tuesday the fifth. It's pretty pretty important senatorial thing. The whole balance of power. Yeah, hangs it literally hangs in the balance. So literally, literally. Um, but anyway, so being dead. So this was, this guy his name was John Roderick. Um, I guess he did some music stuff and he co-hosted a podcast with Ken Jennings from Jeopardy. That's what. But people discovered him because of his his pretentiously awful. Uh, borderline child abusive f- 
thread about his story about teaching his daughter how to figure out problem solving by uh, starving her for six hours because she didn't know how to use a can opener to open a can of beans. That's pretty much the long and the short of it. And it wasn't just that he exp- he he did this in a long Twitter thread. He was immensely proud of his what he thought was a bonding moment with his child. And I cannot tell you how awful and pretentious the writing was and how I was gagging. 23 out. tweets. I was insulted as a writer myself trying to read through this. It, it, the writing was more, was more uh, pretentious and more self-absorbed than like fucking reading uh, Dickens, which, which, which justifies that term of writing. This was more, more than that for the tale, uh, the tale of, of two cities, the tale of two, two uh, bean cans. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it was awful to read, but then doubling down on it, people said, wow, you maybe you should have just showed your kid how to use a fucking can opener, especially since she was crying and, and, and really hungry and she hadn't eaten in several hours. It was awful. Well, it's it's the part of the internet that I don't understand, and it's, and it's part of these these types of people I don't understand. When you have people come to you immediately after this, and it's a lot of people, be like, hey, maybe you should look at what you did to your daughter here. Maybe this wasn't something that was actually positive. He actually said something, and I can't, I, I can't pull up the actual tweet now, but he literally said something, oh, interesting that a lot of the people that are telling me that this is okay are people who already followed me, and people who are telling me this aren't okay, isn't okay are people who don't follow me and have never paid attention to me before. And essentially what he's saying in that tweet by saying that is echo chambers are good. Echo chambers are good, and I don't need outside opinions. I do think that the internet is quick to pile on. Um, We're all bored. We're all living in uh, a a COVID world. And as a, you know, a pretty good article uh, I I read uh, about this, you know, said, um, by the way, he deleted his Twitter account, but obviously there's receipts. You can can look at the whole tweet, tweet thread, tweet thread, whatever on uh, here. Um, Derailed me. Uh, COVID uh, ourselves. um, You know, it it feels like we're kind of checking in, you know, every day, like almost it's a job to see which person we're angry at today. Um, But there is a reason why people react to this stuff. And and you, it, it, it can't hurt you to stop and maybe think and analyze before doubling and tripling down on the thing that you you did. I mean, were you just so proud of your 23 tweet thread that you just you, you couldn't possibly see it as anything other than genius? I, I, I don't know. And he did put out an apology and I read the apology and it says the right things and all that, but it, it's just... Well, this is my worst nightmare. It could have um, been it could have been solved by a little bit of self-reflection when the reflection was... when it was fresh. Let's put it this way. I'm not sure the story happened like this. He might have embellished it a little bit. Maybe well, it was a couple he, in hours. His, in his apology, yeah. he says it's not how the story happened. So if you are if you call yourself a humorist, I think we're... we're well, I said even before, I draw the line when it comes to stuff where it's like child abuse. Like, I'm not... I've, I've publicly defended it in one way or another. People saying, you know things that you know too edgy or whatever i don't think they should have been canceled for it so i'm i'm not on the side on cancel culture usually i don't think um, cancel culture uh, exists the the overall term i just mean to, to embody to embody someone says one thing wrong let's try to end them that's what i mean i'm not on that side but when it comes to i think people get when it comes to children and 
potentially abusive things, that there's no longer to me any sort of angle for humor anymore. And I think that's where a lot of people would draw the line. Even if this was meant to be humorous, you missed the mark entirely. You swung and missed. You swung and missed. Because now I'm just imagining you being a terrible father. Because there are there probably are some parents like this. I'm not saying my father was like this. Uh, but there are fathers that might say, oh, figure it out for yourself, kid. Uh, thankfully, I, I mean, hopefully, this is not how you raise your daughter. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say this person did this, but I think when it comes to children, that's where people they get amped up more because they remember as their upbringings yes. and how they were abused and things like that, and that's where even any semblance of trying to be edgy, I think, goes out the window. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to have a kid be the brunt of your story and have you know have the kid being crying and try to have, try to be funny it's just not a good it's not a good angle i can't picture that being successful unless you're a really good comedian and you figure out how to do that and that's your rep you can't do it on twitter especially if you're in a stand-up routine and you do that after you built your brand and that's what you're known for or, or that's how you you get jokes across and people understand that but not not on fucking twitter you can't do that that's it's, it's, it's insane to do that Right. I mean, if you did it in a, especially if you did it in a stand up special, people would be approaching it knowing that you're at least trying to do something for a humor value. I mean, there's a, there's, there's a point to be made above that. This wasn't a point. This was just trying to say, look how cool my fathering skills are. Yeah. Look how awesome I am. Um, it definitely seemed very, uh, narcissistic. Absolutely. It was how it came across. And then other, his past tweets from, came out where it was like, Either it was trying to be edgy or not. Anti-Semitic slurs, oh. um, you know, u- using terms like mud people, uh, just definitely, this is this is the thing, and I think a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of discussion after Bean Dead that has said this. This guy represents... Because he's like about early 50s, I think it came out, something like that. Late 40s or early 50s. He represents this weird, middle-aged male comedian... Um, oftentimes white male comedian who is edgy with no point. Um, you get these comedians that do their uh, stand-up specials and they get heat afterwards for, say, um, you know, uh, ripping on trans folks. And uh, their response is usually, well, I'm here to push the boundaries. I'm here to, you know, make you uncomfortable. But you're punching down and you need to be, you need to actually be funny. If you're going, you, you have to, you, if you're just edgy without any humor or without, it, 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 the, what do they say about satire? You you have to actually be satiring something for it to be satire. You can't just say a bunch of edgy shit and go, oh, it's satire. It doesn't work that way. You have to be satirizing something. You have to actually be funny for this to work. Yes. And, and that's, that's like 90% of it. You have to you have to make people laugh, and you're not you making be, people laugh. Otherwise, you're just being another bigot. Yeah, I mean, there's an art. That's why being a stand comedian is like the most difficult thing in the fucking world to do. I, I wouldn't wish it on anyone uh, to try to do it um, unless their heart was into it. Um, this is why James Gunn got in trouble for his awful tweets that he put out in the years in the past, where it was, yeah. there was no punchline. It was just like, oh, I like he says something like 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 uh, sex and babies or something, and it was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what? That's not you're not. Come on, dude. Like, move on from that stuff. Like, you leave that stuff like in like college or like your early twenties. Like that, you grow up a little bit. You don't say this stuff in your forties. You just don't. But you're right. It's like the same time thing. Yeah, James Gunn is like fifty four, so it's the same thing with him. Yeah, I'm not it, saying he should have lost his all his gigs from it, but it was awful. Those the past jokes from what he said. It's awful. You know. So it's the James Gunn, Ricky Gervais, all that stuff where you just say stuff for shock value and you expect that to be a a a, a career. At some point, people get tired of this shit. 
And it's a shame because Ricky Gervais, he, he's, he's generally funny when he wants to make a point. But he, he veers off into the, well, you know, the cancel culture stuff, that becomes my whole act. And then it, it becomes tiresome at that point. Like, go, back to, go back to actual funny material uh, at that point. Yeah, I, I, used to, I think I followed Richard Gervais on, on Twitter way long ago for a short period of time. I was like, okay, this is enough. Like, you're not saying anything. He's an insufferable twat. I fucking hate the dude. Okay, well, well <laughs> I mean, Office is a genius show. It's a, and he's done congrats. some good work. I mean, yeah, he yeah. did. I, I, I've watched The Office. I know it's good, but I mean, that doesn't mean <laughs> I'm going to give him a free pass. Well, no, but what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that you can be, it shows that even if you're a funny person, you can veer into this and you, you can't, it's hard to, to get yourself out of it at some point. And then, then you lean on it. Once well, you, you fall on. into a self-pity party too, which well, yeah. is always hard to come out of, which I think is what a lot of these, these, these guys have done. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Uh, anyway, what we were saying, yeah. So, yeah, Bean Dad, the saga to start 2020, it's almost what we needed to come together. Almost everyone came together against Bean Dad. <laughs> All right. Bean Dad uh, was Twitter's main character of the day, as they say. The uh, villain. Uh, real quick, uh, there was a Sonic prototype ROM uh, found. Um, it was documented at hiddenpalace.org, and it has been... Um, people were streaming it uh, over the weekend. Uh, so this is big. Uh, hiddenpalace.org has been trying to find a Sonic the Hedgehog 1 prototype for, I think, 15 years at this point. And they found numerous Sonic 2 prototypes. They found a Sonic 3 prototype. But they were eventually thinking that they were never, ever going to find this Sonic the Hedgehog 1 prototype. And eventually they did. Um they detail in a very good article at hiddenpalace.org uh, they go through a brief history of Sonic and what it was like you know to create Sonic um, in an era where uh, Mario was the competition talks about the importance then goes on to talk about how um, they've always been proactive in trying to find stuff they haven't been a group that sat around and you know tried to let stuff fall into their lap and they've always gone out trying to find these prototypes and find this lost uh, Sonic the Hedgehog stuff and how you know, it was kind of amusing that they finally did get this Sonic the Hedgehog 1 prototype 15 years later, and it just kind of fell into their laps. It was given to them by uh, a person online who goes by the name Buckaroo. Buckaroo? Uh, Buckaroo. Hey, Buckaroo. Rootin' tootin' Buckaroo. It's a good name, Buckaroo. Um, and it is the uh, version, it's the preview version. It, it, it appears to be the preview version that was used in many of the uh, magazine previews back in the day. Um, it has uh, levels and background items that were not in the uh, final version. Um, and some of the levels were uh, vastly different, like Labyrinth Zone, I, I think, has no water in it yet. And that's, I mean, largely a water level. Um, the background for Spring Hill Zone has uh, signs in it that wouldn't be in the finished one, like a sign that says goodbye. And I think there's a sign that says cope. Um, so it's very interesting to actually finally Copium? see... Copium? Copium. Uh, to see people be able to go through and uh, play this build that was, you know, locked in pictures and magazines for so long, but no one had ever been able to get their hands on. Okay. That's fantastic. This is this is the golden age of game preservation. Like I said, probably started, what, like a year and a half ago? 
something like that, where all of a sudden this stuff started coming out more, or people were encouraged not to just hold on to this stuff and realize there was yeah. I'd say twenty. Values. I'd say twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen was where there started to be a real turnaround in the the outlook on game preservation, and um, suddenly the people who were holding on to stuff just to hold on to it were no longer the cool kids that you wanted to be. Uh, they were rightfully cast as the the villains. Hey, and if Ian me helped a little bit to shame a few people, maybe someone who claimed to be a game preservationist selling shit on eBay without dumping stuff. If that stuff comes out and uh, and makes right, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this. Then so be it. Sons of Liberty, damn it, get, get the scalding hot tea. What? <laughs> so you're gonna check out this around. By the way, we're at the 30th anniversary of Sonic, right? In a few months. Spr- oh, wow. It was like spring of '91, right? Yeah, I think out. so. Yeah, you're gonna go check out this ROM. Yeah, I think I probably will so, check it out at some point. It'd be easy for me to check it out. So what? Is it, so what? The, looking at this story, I wasn't getting. I mean, it's a long uh, thread. It was. It was. It was they were almost like, said like ready to retire. Were they being? Were they being cheeky? Or they was this really like their goal of, of trying to get? Well, this no, solo? I think I, I think uh, they were probably accurate. I mean, it, it's not. It, they've been doing something for 15 years. They've dug up. You know, countless things that they weren't intending to dig up. But that's 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 just as good. If that's not better, it is. It is. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I think anyone after 15 years of doing the same thing is it's okay to say, hey, maybe I'm going to move on and do something else. I, I don't think I, it was so much the fact that they couldn't find a Sonic One prototype. I think it was just finally they were like, man, maybe maybe we're done doing this. Oh, uh, they got they got to stick around, right? But they've got this. So, so. We, we, we consider retiring, but we're, we're, we're excited to see what the next decade brings. Between the Video Game History Foundation, Gaming Alexandria, Cutting Room Floor, uh, Borman's work at the Museum of Play, Obscure Gamers, and many more. Hey, fu- Andrew Borman. The future is very bright. I like it. So we don't think we'll be going anywhere. They're, the more the merrier, right? It's, yep. it's, there's, not enough, there's not enough money in this. this isn't, you know what I mean? This isn't like preserving you know, like ancient art you know, in museums. It's too, it's too new, and a lot of it's digital, and a lot of it's weird. That you need a lot of different people working on this stuff. Yeah, I mean, hell, people come to me with saying, "Hey, Pat, I have this prototype. What do you want to do with it? Or what should I do?" Like, it happens. It's all scattered to the to the ends of the earth, all over all this stuff, and it'll, it'll be coming out more and more, hopefully. And in the two thousand, the Roaring Twenties, we've reached everyone. Hmm. The Roaring Two Thousand Twenties. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right, Ian. Yeah. Uh, we have an update. Update. A, a New Year's, after the New Year, we have an update on the uh, to-be-proposed-in-television Amico game console that we've been talking about now for three years almost. Two and a half years we've been talking about this, just about, uh, after it was announced. Long time. A L- little over, yeah, almost it'll be three years, I think, this fall. Um, so, so a video was put out by CEO of Intellivision Entertainment, Tommy Tallarico, uh, looking at a unit that was uh, was cold booted up, powered on, and got to a menu, clicked on the menu and played. They played Astro Smash for uh, for about uh, five five to ten minutes here. Hooray! So that's good news. It's good news. It I mean it's 
it's what we originally asked for back in June. But hey, seven months later, six months later, isn't bad to show that you have a, a, a an actual console in theory working from power up to menu to launching a game. It can boot. It definitely was not there at August because if they had it in August, they would have showed it. So my takeaway, my takeaway from this video is this: is that um, there's no way in hell this is coming out in April. Uh, no, in, and I don't know why he won't just announce. I mean, he recently said, I think it was 20% chance. 20% chance now that it's coming out in April. If you say it's a, if Tommy Tallarico says it's a 20% chance, it's a negative chance it comes out. Went April. from 50-50, by the way, just like two weeks ago. Like, what changed in those two weeks that dropped it another 30%? There's a negative chance this is going to come out in April. I give this, I think, a 30% chance back in August on the original. I, I said 30% that this would come out um, in April because... We had, sh- we had shown that there was no evidence that the console was, was ready to that point, uh, that it would, would be ready. And we went over, we went over um, job listings of very important positions that were not filled yet, that were out there, that were claimed that they were for peripherals and accessories. No, they're for the console. Um, and we just know that there's so much lead-up time. There's so much that has to be done with certification, with um, finalizing uh, testing, uh, there's there's going to be back and forth with things being off in terms of manufacturing, or maybe the RF shielding isn't good. There's so many things right. that goes wrong with manufacturing. You have to have things finalized probably a good six months out at least uh, before your launch date in order to get this to market. Like you have to have this all buttoned up. Um, so the good news, if you're if you're waiting for this console though, is that it's closer to coming out. Yes. The bad news is that it's not in any shape. I think to come out still. Sure. I mean, it, it doesn't. My whole thing is, it, it, it's it's certainly closer to coming out. Um, I never had. A, I, I I felt like it was always going to come out. My question is still, what are we playing on it? So we've we st- you see the cold boot, you, you see the system load up, and then you see Astro Smash get played, and you wonder why are we get. I mean, still, where's where's the excitement supposed to be generated? It's like here? the VCS. It's like, yeah, we we're, we're getting this at some point, maybe, but then what are we going to do once we actually have this thing? Right. That, so. I mean, that's not a victory. No, especially especially when you have the a, goal of releasing a new system uh, is not to launch it. It's, it's it's to create a successful product that will be enjoyed for years to come and an ecosystem <laughs> of support. Yes, and people actually enjoying the the the, the history of, of video game consoles is not a, a, a litany of successes. It's a litany of failures with very few successes. Right. There are more a lot more failed consoles than successful ones if you actually look into it, like the numbers. So I don't think it's even 50-50 when you look at all the fail. And, and these were run by big companies as I get a weird call. Um, so so the point is this, is that I'm happy for the people that pre-ordered this that they are one step closer to hopefully getting a product that they put their money Holding in Holding something in their hands, yeah. That, that Intellivision is using as uh, basically a free loan at this point in order to keep their business alive. And so also, not just that, Use that as evidence that there's interest to get several million dollars of investors on board. So that they've gotten that done brilliantly. They built up the house of cards to that point. But now the last 10% is the most difficult when it comes to this. You have to make the product viable and actually launch it and have it be sewed up. And have a launch library that people will give a damn about. We have no evidence that the launch library of games is completed or that or that the, even the packing ones are completed at this point. We have no idea. 
where the, where the status is on the software or uh, of the games that they, they showed off these brilliant licenses to, like Major League Baseball and things like that. Like, uh, are these being worked on? Will they be worked on? There's no update in Earthworm Jim, and that's the only thing that got any buzz at all was Earthworm Jim. I think that's really where um, the, the the worry should be now is the the games, the the, com- the completion level of these games. Sure. Are they started? Is there funding for these games? And the reason I wouldn't I mean, normally only ask- a couple of them have been shown in any it, it, like it, real. Uh, have been shown being played for any real length of time. Sure. Uh, Astro Smash. Uh, Missile Command a little bit. Missile Command. Uh, that the Car Crashers the game. Car Crashers game. And Skiing was shown a little bit. Breakout. And bre- Breakout. Yeah. Sure. Um, and these are not questions that you would probably ask if this was like Sony or if this was Nintendo. Like, well, who's, you know, are these games going to be funded? Because those are companies that you don't have to worry about that. They're going to put out product. We are still in the startup phase as a company looking to put out a product and now we have money at risk again if, 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 if this was just Tommy and France putting up money I wouldn't give a shit at this point go ahead try and try and fail if you want now you're using other people's money to do this and that's where the problem is especially pre-order money uh, where now people are delayed a second time and there might be a, potentially a third I want to bring up something about pre-order money too real quick okay. um, someone sent me and I I Maybe you've already seen this. Maybe this isn't that new. But they sent me the uh, Fig Co. Uh, I think it's the advertisement. Now it's Republic as well. So now the campaign's on Republic.co. So um, basically, uh, much has changed in gaming since the inte- since Intellivision began with games becoming more isolated. Blah, 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 blah. Um, using technology, creativity, and unrivaled passion, the Amico team is on a mission to bring family and friends together again. The Intellivision team comprises of some of the brightest and most experienced veterans in the gaming industry with over 600 years combined experience. Really fucking pulling for a number there. Like, 600 years combined experience. Including veteran team members who have been with Intellivision since 1981. Who? That's my question. But here we go. This powerhouse team will truly deliver. With over 25 million in pre-orders, Amico is already taking the gaming world by storm. Where does the 25 million in pre-orders Well, see, they're conflating from? pre-orders and purchase orders together. They, yes, they, I think which that's is not the same, same. Again, not the same thing. No. Um, and that's, that's what I wanted to bring up because I figured you'd probably have the answer to that. You're paying a bit more attention to it than I am. Uh, a, a purchase order is not a pre-order. That shows a store being like, okay, we have enough faith, I guess, in this to order this many. That is not people actively putting down money. That's not interest. No, that's that's hope that there's interest to sell the product. Uh, See, see, that's just more, you know, uh, investment talk to to lure people on the hook. Yeah. To me, that's not as bad as Photoshopping in your your game controllers over, you know, PS4 controllers on image of your campaign, which to me... Uh, could be seen by potentially as fraudulent by some investors if they don't know that. I'm not. I'm not saying it is or not, but I, hey, I'm not investing in it. But does anyone? Does there, do the investors know that those are they're not holding Amico controllers in these pictures? That these are pictures you can you, you can just get the license to and then just photoshopping controllers. But it goes along the same line of thinking. We have to keep people on the hook. Right. We have to make sure that we know that Tommy. For example, Tommy in the video says it's 98 percent completed. Uh, the console that. I, that's just a number you just pull out somewhere. It's ninety eight percent. Okay, what, what like what do you what, what does that mean? What what part is ninety percent? The, the design, um, 
all, all the servers and, and, and back infrastructure we need to have this up and running once the system launches. What does that mean, the 98%? That can mean anything. Uh, Tommy said something in the video that was, was very telling. At 153 in, um, while, while the system was taking an ungodly amount of time to boot up, by the way, which we'll get into, he said, we've had this up and running now easily for over a year. I'm calling Bravo Sierra on that. Because if that was if that was running before this, he would have posted this to shut me and Ian up six months ago, or after or after we said it wasn't being shown booting up cold in the August. Or video. just about anyone. I don't think he's even. He yeah. never holds back on stuff like this. Never. I, no, he doesn't. And I also don't feel like uh, it's us that he really needs to worry about shutting up oh, at no. this point. Um, he had plenty of people asking since October for a video of him booting it up and he kept saying it was like technical difficulties uh you know he was supposed to do he was supposed to do like a live stream or something of a game oh, it's just like a live stream of it booting up and playing or whatever yeah okay and uh you know so, just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting well, it off. well he put off the ui video i mean that's, the oh, same that's thing. okay that's what i'm thinking yeah he put off the, the ui, UI video. video i just assumed there would have been a cold boot at some point in the ui video well because because if you want to show a console booting up i think that's pretty important yes that shows that uh, all the all the development of the board is done and not just that you have all the firmware attached to your board. Which gets into the next point. This thing took 60 seconds from power up uh, to the engineer being able to access the menu with the controller and, and move around and load a game. It took 60 seconds of Tommy talking while the running man was, was, was going and then they showed the menu. It's 60 seconds. You can time it from power up to when you can, or the, or the console or software that's running uh, accepts an input. No console in this day and age uh, should take that long to boot up, especially one that's basically uh, like an Android phone. That's that's like an Android phone booting up. That's that'd be like my iPhone taking sixty seconds to boot up. And let's talk about the inputs themselves. <laughs> we can get to that in a second, but real quick before we get to the inputs themselves, um, someone above my pay grade uh, t- tells me about some of his opinion on what he's been seeing with some of these things. And the boot up speeds and things like that, and what this can mean. So, someone that has worked with hardware, um, who who watched the video, and, and these are his comments to me uh, here. And, I, and I'll leave out the ones that are overly, overly, you know, teasing Tommy here. There are they are in here. Um, I guess that's our new office. Looks pretty open. Yeah, th- there's a huge open space in this in this office. I, I understand this space, but okay, whatever. Um, those controllers are fucking massively thick. What the hell did they gain weight? They, they are chunky, the controllers. We've said that. They're very big. 23 seconds. This is from Power Up. He timed this. Uh, 23 seconds for the man to run, 35 for the animated logo, 45 seconds for the second logo, and almost exactly 60 seconds before you can interact with the menu. Holy shit, that's a long time, and I used a stopwatch. This is him saying that. Um, they finally have the thing booting through without any suspicious cuts to the video. This is the first time I've seen the controller actually do something other than the test debug screen showing up when being pressed. Uh, then he talks about uh, Astro Smash. There are so many explosions and shit on, Ast- and on Astro Smash, it looks like it'd be a pain in the ass to play after a while. That's what I always said. There's too many, there's, it's too busy. Like that missile command. Uh, trying to determine if the pieces of flaming debris is just for show or if it's actually dangerous still. That's a good idea. Uh, let's, here you go. Then he, looked at, then he examined the controller. And I mean he examined the controller. He downloaded the video and actually timed out the frames uh, on the video, a 60 frames per second video. He actually got into this. Uh, 60 frames per second video, it takes around 8 frames for the ship to start moving when Tommy presses the disc. That's 133 milliseconds of lag. 
Good luck playing Earthworm Jim or any other platform game. Gonna feel kind of drunk with that much lag. Also, the LCD doesn't really even show you anything except in-game, except life count. There's only one score and one ship count on the TV. Um, so, that's, that's, that's alarming. Over a tenth of a second of lag on a modern console is, is not good for 80 to 90% of game types. It just isn't. Um, so then I ask, why could the lag be that? Is that not optimizing the signal, too much interference? Um, maybe maybe the game's not in game mode. TV's not in game mode, which would be insane for a CEO of a company to show off your product not realizing that. You but let's just probably put it in game. Yeah, but either way, you're not going to eliminate a, a, a full tenth of a second in game mode. That's that. It, it mean, that's insane over a tenth of a second uh, to do that. So what is happening here? Uh, is this not optimized code? Um, is is this not is this just delay or signal interference? If this is if this is ninety percent final, that's going to be unplayable for an arcade game like Astro Smash. Let alone you can't play uh, Super Mario Brothers with a tenth of a second of lag. Uh, let 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 alone over a tenth of a second uh, for a twitchy game like that. That's 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 problem. That's a that's a problem. That's a real problem. Uh, he said the UI is probably a barely a working shell at this point. Um, I don't fault Tommy for this. He was probably given explicit instructions. Uh, don't do this. It's totally broken. This isn't implemented. Only do this exact sequence. So basically, don't fuck around with it. Just pl- run the one game and that's yeah, it. Yeah, that was my my guess. He said it's pretty typical for a demo like this. It's just that this it should have been it should have been at this point literally six to nine months ago or more. This is someone who's an expert in this field and knows about about this stuff. They are six to nine months behind schedule, according to this person. Six to nine months. So then I asked, uh, why did it take so long to boot? I said, my iPhone 7 boots in 15 seconds. Modern cell phones, uh, a modern cell phone, uh, if you buy like an iPhone, like uh, X or whatever the hell, 11, it's uh, likely more powerful than this. Not looking at, not comparing the Snapdragons, sure. they, but they use the more up-to-date Snapdragons. This does not here. Um, he said, it's booting Linux on a slowish um, SOC, system on a chip. chip. It could be doing other things like looking for controllers, I guess, but it is running on solid-state media. It's supposed to anyways, so you'd think speed wouldn't be such an issue. Then he postulates something that's more troublesome uh, that could be... I guess it could be booting off an SD card. SD card boot would be pretty slow, which would make sense when you boot things, even go back to, you know, uh, you know EverDrive or things of that nature back in the day. If you had one with certain types of media, it would take some several seconds to boot up even like a ROM, sure. depending on his... Um, so if it's booting off a card, what does that tell you then? It tells you that the board ain't done. Right. You're running it off an emulator, basically, an Android environment off an emulator, and that's not good. Then you're even further behind, if that's the case. Either way, it's not good for your system to take a, uh, basically an Android, uh, system taking a, a minute to boot up. That's insane, uh, to boot up. That's a long, it's a long launch sequence. So what I did when I saw this, what do you think I did? I was like, well, maybe maybe they never filled those important job positions at the time. And they hadn't uh, at the time, because when I, when I looked them up, um, oh, they're, they're back here. Oh, it says it in an active job. But these were posted in mid-December. Uh, the same jobs we talked about in June that we got attacked for. The senior game console firmware developer 
was was there was that definitely was, sounds like something that you need for accessories. Um, yes, definitely for accessories. Um, so that was reposted right before Christmas, around, that'd be around around December twentieth, seventeen days ago, uh, and also the embedded, the embedded and uh, the embedded Android software developer. These were two jobs that we point out back in June were being looked for, and were still being searched for right before Christmas. And you usually don't do a lot of hiring right before Christmas in the new year. No. So, what is happening here? What is happening? I don't know. I mean, now they're saying that they're looking for, what, a June-July release? I think Tommy said June and July as a target. By the way, uh, the first line again, and this is what we focused on back in June, for the embedded Android software developer, you will take on a senior senior software development position working with our hardware and firmware teams on a new video game console, not accessories that was claimed, on a new video game console to develop system level Android software to make the system run. Yeah. To make the system run. And after having this pointed out so many times, if that was inaccurate, I'm sure they would have changed it. But they haven't changed it. Why? Because that's actually what they need. That's the job. They need someone to help make the system run. This is a job opening that's been since the summer, and it's still there. It's still there. And, and again, and the, and the firmware developer is required to design simple PCBs, evaluate ICs, write drivers for them. PCBs? PCBs. Beebs, I say beebs. <laughs> PC beep, boobs. PC beebs. Boobs. So you should be a professional embedded engineer with experience in electrical design or microcontroller or microprocessor systems. Yeah, this this is uh this yeah, this is important this is important positions. Right. So now we're being a dead horse, but um hey, twenty percent chance in April. You know what? I'll I'll be, does anyone want to put up uh what was that what was that four to one odds? I'll take the odds four to one. I'll put up money. Against someone's money, four to one. That for is an out. April release. For an April release to all the backers. It's in their hands. Functional console to all the backers in April. Four to one odds. I'll take any bet. And I'm dead serious. I'll give you four to one odds on it. So that's like $200 versus $800. Basically, that's basically what four to one odds is right there. I'll do it. Why not? Why not? I got that predicted money uh, laying around. I, c- I can do that. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so we have controller input delay, a system that we're not sure where it's at, that we're still looking for key positions, taking a minute to boot up, and we're 20% chance going to launch in April. When, when do you think, what does your gut tell you on this? Do you have a gut instinct on when this is going to launch, Ian? Uh, I, I... And by the way, you can't try to pin us as saying that we said this is never going to come out because we never said that. Oh, I, I never feel, I never said that. I mean, uh, even all the way back to like the first little bits of coverage yeah. that we had, I actually said that I think this will come out. Yeah. Literally said it. Um, I don't know, October... December. You want to say October, December? Yeah, November. You want to say thirty percent chance? I think for the it's fall? just going to end up. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a. a, a it's going to drag it's itself to be the a full line. year. Yeah, I think. I think somewhere in October. All right, I'll say. I, I think. I, I think summer is. I think summer is wishful. Well, remember, it's like a, it's like a three and a half month lead time for production to get it sure. in people's hands at least. So that means for this to be in people's hands in July, we'll get the benefit of that. We'll say July. They got to be. In production by probably March, the very, very latest. Because February is Chinese New Year. There's two months, excuse me, two weeks that are just no one does anything. So March is, 
we told you back in August that, I think, or a few months ago, that January would be the time for us to tell you that it has to be in production by January to be in people's hands yeah. in April. We'll come back to you in March, and, and we'll let you know is this in production likely or not for July. So okay, I'll say this is we're now at zero percent chance for April, uh, down from thirty percent, and then I'm going to say for July, yeah, I'm going to be, be I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say ten percent chance for July. All right, and then for the rest of the year. I'll say thirty-eight percent that it comes out in two thousand twenty-one. I'll give you that. I'll give you better odds. Thirty-eight percent. I think we got a fifty-fifty. You got fifty-fifty. Got a fifty-fifty. You want, you want to put end. money on it? You want to, no. Okay. But between me and you, I, I mean. have fifty. No, but I have fifty-fifty by the end of the year. Fifty-fifty. That's not bad. That's a coin flip. That's not bad. We're not totally haters. Fifty-fifty is that's not that's not a terrible terrible odds. No, it's not. That's like that's like playing one two three shoot and odds and evens, right? Anything else to add here? Are we done with this? No, we're done. Okay. And by, and by the way, I'll just say this real quick. We're going to get uh, Tommy's defenders going to come after us for just basically telling the truth about this and, and the fact that there's delay on the controller and the fact that they're still working for looking for key positions and the fact that they Photoshop controllers. They Photoshop their system controllers and over PS4 controllers for their investment campaign. And these are things that they will never bring up or question Tommy about like why like you think that's ethical Tommy to to um to use photoshop images to try to raise money you think that's ethical I think it's right to do that but anyway but they're going to come after us but hey have have fun getting those uh, views for a couple days fellas have fun in your little nostalgia cult all right Ian um 3DS and DSiWare games are being deactivated from the Nintendo eShop, huh? Yep, and uh, they're doing it without any sort of um, alarm or warning. Uh, it was kind of brought... The, the big one that has been removed that I think got everyone looking is that Shantae uh, Risky's Revenge, um, which I believe is the sequel to the Game Boy Color one. Yeah, that was the first DSiWare one. Um was removed with uh, apparently no one knowing that it was going to be removed. Um, so they've gone and looked into it a little bit more to see what other games are missing. So here's a here's a partial list from a couple days ago from January 2nd. Asphalt 4, Xscape, Aura Climber, Zenonia, Spotto, Mighty Flip Champs. That's a, another way forward game. Um, Escapey Go, Dr. Mario Express... Mr. Driller, I'm going to put an asterisk on that. Uh, Soul of Darkness, Legends of Exidia, Exidia, Spin Six, The Oregon Trail, Glow Artisan, and many more. So, as with all digital marketplaces, I think this is what people really worry about, is that the games that they bought on there will suddenly disappear and no longer be available for redownload, and it's a valid concern. Uh, I do want to notice, though, that I think a lot... I think this has been happening a bit more... I don't think this all happened at once. For instance, that Mr. Driller, I know that Mr. Driller was gone as of 2019 because I tried to re-download it onto my DS uh, before going to Portland, so I would have some Mr. Driller to play, and it was gone. <laughs> um, and Mr. Driller was removed from the Vita store as well. So I think some of this... Well, you is, had purchased it before and re-downloading it? And I was trying to re-download it, and it had been pulled off. Oh, no. Yeah. And that was on the Vita and on the, on the uh, DSi. So I think what, what's happening is some of this is uh, 
normal license licenses expiring and games being pulled down and i think some of it is more nintendo pulling you know stuff down now so i think some of these have been gone for a while is all i'm trying to get at right um so this has kind of thrust the the whole physical media thing back into the spotlight uh, because limited we run, can't we can't get away from it right because limited run pointed out that they had done a uh, physical release of Risky's Revenge. I don't think they did it for the DS. I think it was... I don't remember what systems it was on, but they did a physical version of it. Um, and talking about, okay, well, you know, this is why the physical media is, is, is important. And it is. I have no problem with digital purchases as long as I know that there's a physical copy out there for certain systems. And if the only way I can get a game from a developer, small developers, digitally with no physical... Uh, backup i will i can't be one of those people that says uh no physical no buy because then you're actively doing damage to the hobby that you you claim to support yeah the industry the industry wouldn't have a lot of these games yeah yeah not all developers can afford a physical run most cannot right 99 percent cannot and the fact that we're seeing a lot of independent titles get physical releases lately is largely in thanks due to companies like limited run limited and they took a risk to get to this point um so I, I, I don't understand the not supporting a, a company if they release a game that you want. I, sure, if this was like a, a, a massive company like an EA or an Activision or something, I could understand that. But punishing the small developer because they don't have the money to give you something you can put on your shelf is, in my opinion, fucking asinine. Yeah, you're stuff. not supporting the smaller de- developers and publisher anymore. You're just saying, hi, oh, we only support AAA for the most part. Right. Or, or, yeah. Um, so mid- I've never liked mid- that middle class develop- Is there like a middle class, a double A developer? However, I get it. Um, a lot of these DSiWare titles never did get physical releases. Uh, you know, like Xscape, uh, which is a lot of fun, never got a physical release. Um, Mighty Flip Champs, I don't think ever got a physical release. So these are these are like simpler, cheaper games for the most part. Some yeah, but some, like Xenonia is a, a was is a, I believe that's a fairly well known Korean made action RPG. Okay. Um, Xscape, I believe, was done by uh, X Argonaut members by the people who did um, Star Fox. So we're not talking like, we're talking smaller games in terms of size, but we're not necessarily talking games that no one's going to miss. So there were 366 games on DSiWare. So they're not not all gone yet, but some are. Um, 366. That's a decent chunk. Um, That includes ones exclusive to different regions. I'm looking at the list on Wikipedia right now. So, if you look through uh, this thread, you'll see people and 57 adding... apps, sorry. There's 57 apps as well. Okay. You'll find people uh, adding more to the list, but also uh, to confirm what I said, there are people saying that some of these have not been available for a while due to licensing and all that. And not just... that that's good either, but I'm just well, saying this is not all... It, this all didn't come crashing down at once. <laughs> And there's also 3DS games, obviously, we mentioned. Here's the, I guess, the silverish lining. It's not difficult to find and play these games in other ways. These, you know, 3DS ROMs and DSiWare ROMs and, you know, things like that. There's, there's, a, way, there's a way to still get these games if, if you can't purchase them anymore. So it's not like they're lost. It's, it's, it's not the same. It's a lot easier to replay these games versus like when they took Flappy Bird off the phones where it was oh unless you had it on your phone you were kind of screwed it was a lot harder to get the game on like there's, there's it's easier solutions for stuff like this so in terms of for terms of game preservation what are you talking like flash cartridges and stuff 
Yeah, I was trying to beat around the bush there. No, I mean, you don't have to. There's nothing. I mean, the, that's why I mean. I, I mean, this like, isn't this isn't bad for game preservation. I don't know how preserved. available some of these are, though, with, with how small they are. Oh, that's I, my question. But er, everything, I mean, God, Ian, at this point, every one of these games gets dumped almost immediately. Sure. So I, I understand people's problem here. When Sony take generally, although I believe a few weeks ago people were saying that there was PS One games missing that they were unaware of. Usually these companies give some sort of heads up. Nintendo's given yeah, heads true. up in the past. They've been like, hey, we're taking this stuff off the... We're, we're, we're ending the, the WiiWare, uh, the Wii sure. store. They were taking that off. They're like, you have this many months to get on there, re-download the games if you need to re-download them again, or if there's anything that you want to purchase. Um, to just rip these games off of the DSiWare store with no warning, these are games that people can still re-download, I think for the most part, almost all of them, onto their 3DS. Sure. Um, so to not have that warning, it's not like yeah. the 3DS has a ton of memory. A lot of people, myself included, would juggle memory, delete games, re-download yeah, ones. No external on the 3DS? Uh, you can, but it was it was the larger SD cards, and oh, a lot okay. of people didn't do it, because transfer, upgrading your SD card, putting a new one in, it required an online transfer. It, okay. n- nothing with Nintendo is ever easy. I never will use my 3DS. So there are people who may have been intending to re-download these games when they got some sort of warning who are now not going to be able to re-download those games. Uh, that stinks. Yeah, it well, sucks. There should be a statute of limitations on this. Uh, that I mean, you can't expect this, these servers to be up forever uh, for some of these games. No, I can't. Uh, and I, I understand that there is an inherent risk involved when buying digital purchases. At this point, yeah. I think if you're making digital purchases, as much as you may not like this, you, have to, you yeah. have to understand that this is going to happen. I accept every time I make a digital purchase that there may be a situation, like when I tried to re-download Mr. Driller, that I'm going to be like, all right, well, I'm fucked out of that 10 bucks or whatever. And it sucks. Mr. Driller did not make the cut. You know, um, sorry. But I do think you need to give people the warning. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. No, absolutely. So they can, you know, re-download these titles if they if hey. they had the right to do so. Hey, we're never going to be able to get again on, on their 1950s lawnmower kids. Now I want to play that game because that sounds incredible. What was it? 1950s 19- lawnmower kids? 1950s lawnmower kids. Almost sounds like a fake game. But no, it's a real game. <laughs> two, two out of five stars on Nintendo Life. Uh, it, well, it has a much better name, I guess. Um, you're a kid, and you are uh, mowing the lawn with a percentage. Uh, it's almost like one of those sort of games you do the percentages, and I guess you got to avoid stuff. It's a resource management game played almost exclusively with the styles. There you go, free advertising to um, uh, whatever company this is. It was released in Europe. 1950s Lawnmower Kids is my pat semi-modern game recommendation of the week. Right there, <laughs> four out of ten stars. All right. Now I gotta get, now I gotta find lawnmower kids trailer and put that on here for people to laugh at it. But no, there's some cool stuff. In it. This is like this is like the almost like um, app games for your 3ds, right? That's kind of what some of these are. They're they're like more simpler stuff. You're not gonna be spending fifty dollars on these games. They're simpler. They're sure, it was, a, stuff. it was a digital store that yeah. generally did simpler stuff. Although as time went on, it more and more became just like. Um, well, yeah, the 3DS eShop was yeah, was the full evolution into like online store like we see on all the other Like how the Switch is now. You buy the yeah, new, new right. AAA game for 60 bucks. Yeah, so DSiWare titles were generally smaller. Bleem. Now, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. <laughs> I was not expecting to hear it long again. Time. If you're not familiar with Bleem, um, Bleem was the commercial... PlayStation emulator product. Yes. Uh, you would go to a store, like how I purchased my electronic boutique at the mall, and buy in a bright yellow box. I think I had the, I think I had the rectangular 
box that there was like two different boxes I think and uh, they got their asses sued off them uh, by Sony and but Bleem and Norm the gaming historian our pal did a great video about Bleem but they just didn't have the money to fight back against Sony that's right. what it came down to they were in the right when it came to the emulator they were not using uh, Sony's intellectual property they were not using um, they weren't using their BIOS the BIOS it was a software emulator right pure software emulator what Sony was trying to go after Bleem for was this is ridiculous? It was fair use them sh- like using Sony in PlayStation games to market the product on the box and things like that, right? Which is like if I'm marketing a fucking PlayStation emulator, how else am I supposed to market it? So I think if they went through the court process, I can't see a, a, a jury or judge being like, no, that's too- you went too far using screenshots. I think that was would have been fair. This was the height. That. This was the height of emulation being a bad, dirty word, where everyone thought it was illegal in every usage of... 99! This is where Nintendo's current day uh, understanding of emulation, or at least... They've come a little bit. Or or at least public uh, uh, understanding of emulators still resides, is in 1999. Um, Bleem was... So Bleem was basically, you just didn't need to buy a PlayStation. I'm sure it could have been hacked, but... Bleem required you to use the actual discs. You installed, yeah, they had their own copy protection, yes. Yeah, you installed Bleem onto your computer, and then you actually put the PlayStation discs into your computer and played them that way. So it wasn't like it was trying to, you know, uh, get around, you know, paying for games. It was literally just getting around the need for an actual PlayStation itself. You could use your computer instead. Um, Bleem also went on to do Bleemcast, which uh, was short-lived. Um, basically, it allowed you to play certain PlayStation games on your Dreamcast. I believe they got like a, a an upscaling, like a, a or oh yeah, they they got like a smoothing filter. You got your, or something your early DirectX stuff. That's how I mean. I yeah. used that. So there was some there was early emulator uh, benefits. Oh, by the way, they did beat Sony in court even on the, on the oh. screenshots, but they were just out of money at that point. Gotcha. They just bled them dry, unfortunately. Um, so I remember Gran Turismo 2, I think, and Metal Gear Solid were the big ones uh, for Bleemcast. And then I think that years later, or maybe even not years later, I think people found a way to get a number of other titles running on the Dreamcast. Oh, wow, Dreamcast. even after the fact. I, I use it for... I, I love Driver. Uh, so I used it for Driver. I fucking love Driver. And I used it for uh, Fire Pro G, obviously, when I had I did. it. Oh, nice. I used it for Tekken um, at the time. Um because what's well, 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 to say? I might have bought a couple of those. I might have ISOed a couple of those at the time. We're talking two thousand. Statue of limitations gone. Don't sue me there. Uh, but no, I bought Fire Pro G for sure, absolutely. Um, but um, it was like, sort of like a watershed moment because this was like this was a the first time that we saw. Okay, we have an emulator of a console that's still on the shelves and still popular and it's like current gen, and you don't have to spend two hundred dollars or two fifty on the console. I was not going to do that to play two games. Absolutely was not. But I would I would spend 40 bucks, whatever Bleem cost, in order to do it. And that's what I did. And it worked fine. Yep. It worked fine. So, Bleem we have not heard of. It's been in the dustbin of video game history until now again, Ian. Yeah. So, uh, the Bleem-powered marketplace is coming. Um, so, okay. This is Pico Interactive. Uh king really of buying up uh dormant uh roms or unreleased game roms that never came out and re-release them hey i I appreciate the hustle i respect the hustle yep they 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 have cartridges 
uh, that you can buy for their games. They're on the uh, Ever. I think they have the Evercade. They have the mini multi-game packs and things. They like do. That. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have the mini game. Um, yeah, is Evercade the new one, the new cartridge based one that people? Yeah, we don't want to bring it up, but it seems to be doing okay, and it's come out during the the pandemic as opposed to other consoles that could be blaming COVID for not coming out. So people seem to like that, um, but this is like the ultimate in my mind of just buying up an old trademark to buy up an old trademark and release something <laughs> under the name of it. So Blame is coming back as a digital marketplace. Um, we will be making titles available on Bleem Marketplace that we would never release on Steam or good old games. Some of these releases will be available exclusively on your storefront. Um, Bleem Powered represents commercial preservation of older titles from now defunct platforms. Uh, releases made available through the storefront will come as complete downloads. Each release will include the necessary software to make the game run as intended. So what I think Bleem is th- this iteration if you can even call it that of Bleem, uh, this, this Bleem-branded storefront, okay. um, is it's going to be like Good Old Games does with their old DOS releases. Sure. It's going to come packaged with the emulator, all wrapped up, so, so the wrapper, you can download it. Click it, and play and, it. And start. Yeah. And I think what we're going to see is basically the ROMs for the NES games, uh, Genesis, Super Nintendo games, etc., that they've been releasing under Pico Interactive. I think that's what we're going to or, get. Or even maybe other companies that are doing this, like Mega Catmines. Okay, sell, us on, sell it on your site. Sure. You know. So, I, I, it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I think the the idea is interesting itself. Create a storefront where, you know, homebrewers and people who are making games for these retro systems can make a PC release for those who don't want to mess around with emulators and stuff like that. But I think the choosing of Bleem is just very, very strange. The intent. This is from the the. This is from the the press release, which is on the website here. By the way, Pico remember bought out Game Gavel and the Retro Magazine stuff from Mike Kennedy back in 2017. Yes, I don't think that went anywhere. Um, the intent of the Bleem Power storefront is to be the go-to location for gamers wanting that console, that console feel on PC. Well, that, that that's, that's a contradiction in terms. Nintendo Entertainment System, SNES, Sega Genesis, the Game Boy line. TurboGrafx-16, PS1, and more will be supported. Additional platforms will be supported on an as-needed basis. Third-party publishers will be able to, to use a custom wrapper through publisher partnerships. They will, this will allow them to use the wrapper on their own Bleem Power releases or when publishing on Steam or good old games. Uh, so it basically means, that, oh, okay, so you can use that same wrapper to go on Steam. What? I don't understand that part. This wrapper is not required for publishers to publish g- game of the Bleem. What? The wrapper meaning I think that it's going to come... Like, you can publish the Bleem version on Steam so that it comes with, like, the emulator. Oh, so it'll say, like, Bleem when it loads, loads up or yeah, what so have you? Say, yeah. <sighs> okay. Well, I, I respect the hus- hustle here. Uh, this wrapper is not required for publishers to publish game... Okay, so that's a typo on your... Sorry, it's a ty- you have a typo on your press release here. Publish games on... It says, of the Bleem marketplace. Okay. I think I get, I get what they're saying. Uh, making things easier for gamers is our goal. The Bleem Powered storefront is just an extension of that intent. Okay. When you say Bleem Powered, what I think in my head is that you are running the Bleem emulator. That's the first thing that comes and pops in my head. If sure. it's Bleem Powered, you are running a PlayStation game on the Bleem emulator. That's what Bleem Powered to me means. Now what you're trying to make it mean it's a something emulator wrapper <laughs> on our digital storefront that's pop- I don't see the connection, Ian. 
I don't see the connection. Anyway. I, I see a loose connection. I, uh, emulation. Emulation. Running what's, what's, what's the one commercial emulator we can think of besides, yeah. besides fucking Magic Engine for the Turbo Graphics? Right. That's an awesome emulator. Um, Bleem. Bleem. That's it. Yep. Bleem, Bleem is that number one commercial emulator. They still sell Magic Engine? Yeah. That's a great emulator. They never they don't, they don't update because I think it's perfect just about. Sorry. Going on. Yeah, Magic Engine still exists. You can still... Uh, pay for it and i think they run like a giveaway every month still where they give away like a random pc engine game that's like a, a 15 like 16 year old emulator anyway sorry um, magic engine existed when what? i was in high school so like 2000 yeah so, no i'm talking like late 90s i don't know i i, I must discover it then i don't know when i discovered it i think i pro- uh, i think i played my uh, first emulated pc engine game in like magic. 90 it was uh it was uh, Jackie Chan's action kung fu, and I think it was '98 or '99. I'm gonna go to the wiki right now, if not earlier, because I think I might have even still been with my first girlfriend. It's not on there. Oh, you can buy it on Steam, Desktop Magic Engine. No, that's something else. Sorry, <laughs> I was, I'm just trying to find the year, and I can't. Now it's gonna bother me. All right, going on. I was just say 20 years, a little bit more, a little ne- nesticle. 1997. Holy shit! It is that's like Nesticle. all page content is ninety seven to twenty nineteen Magic Engine. Yeah, it was it, that, at least there was an I earlier remember, version. Yeah, okay. I remember it being around. Good on you, Magic Engine team. Back to Bleem though. Back to Bleem. Well, is there a market for a one stop shop for like these homebrew and like, hey, I bought the rights to this prototype, or hopefully did, or just bought the. You know, or just bought the cartridge and ripped the ROM, and I was trying to sell it. Is there a one-stop shop marketplace to buy this stuff legitimately? I don't know, because a lot of the appeal of the homebrew market is buying a, another physical item, media still in the present day that you can use on your old system. And this, and I think a that. lot of the people who might be interested in doing it on their computer already probably have the emulators downloaded and the know-how. So again, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I look at it and I go, I get it, but I, I understand it. But what? Where's what's the actual market? That's what we're getting to with a lot of this. This well, this, this I, that, nostalgia. That's these are, the, nostal- these are nostalgia traps in a way. That's right? one of the largest problems I think with any sort of market like this. Uh, it doesn't just have to be um, retro games, but anything where there's a lot of enthusiasts. You start trying to sell stuff that you come up with all these ideas, but you're starting to try to sell stuff that. Who are you selling it to? And then, Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Okay. And the press release it says the Bleem Power storefront is not a software download, so it's not like a it's not like a like Steam or good old games or Epic Games. So it's, it's a, a website. It's only it says only a website. So then you're God again. It's buy it's buying up a name and then finding a reason to use so that name. Power isn't even the front end it's now just how we're branding our website for your downloads it's a a branded download it's a branded website that contains downloads wrapped up with emulators for these games intellectual property owners will see an extremely competitive revenue split when publishing on the Bleem powered marketplace in an unprecedented mood Pico Interactive Games will be made available in a manner that gamers can use their ROM file with their flashcards or emulators of their choice okay well now I got a problem if I'm if I'm uh if I have these games. So now you're basically telling everyone potentially to pirate my game easily cuz now you're just downloading my basically downloading the rom and now you can just give like I'm not okay, people can do that anyway when you're selling a rom directly but you're now you're like you're almost encouraging it. So um 
They're working on making the digital games com- compatible with good old games Galaxy Launcher. Well, there you go. So bring them in the launcher and just, and just turn them on, and there you go. Okay. I have nothing else to add here. Nope. Good luck, Pico Interactive. Godspeed on the on the Bleem Marketplace. Crazy stallion. Well, it got us talking about it. So, I mean, we wouldn't talk about it if they just named it, you know, something generic, like yep. a Pico store. All right, Ian. We have a Patreon poll. How do you access the Patreon? Patreon.com slash CU Podcast. You go, you pay, you get the full video podcast. Oh, yes. Late late on Tuesday night, Pat's slaving away. Full video podcast. Uh, You get a writing about once a week. I just did my favorite games of 2020. Uh, I do a hangout once a month, and you can vote in this poll. Poll topic polls. 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 This this was the closest three-way race I think we have ever had on the podcast before. This this is a strong this is a this is strong to me. Um, that, that makes me feel like we, we were in the right direction here. So in third twenty eight percent in third place is extremely strong. What do you miss most about gaming conventions? Twenty eight percent in second place. What sitcom would make a good video game? Thirty six percent. And in first place by a single vote, I had to download the Excel spreadsheet to verify. <laughs> is retro. The proper term for older games, or should it be classic? And what do you think about this? I was going to let you go first. Damn it! Okay. Hey, you said you, this was the one you wanted to win, so I figured you had uh, you had you had a you had a spiel ready. I don't have a spiel ready, but I'll look up. Oh, okay. Okay. So uh, it's okay. Then go. Well, you're the one uh, looking up. I can start talking. If you have to look it uh, up, I can start talking. Okay, go, go in. You go. I'll look up the definition. Go. So. I think retro is, despite the fact that it's probably the most widely used term, I don't think it's necessarily the most appropriate term. Um, and that goes down to definition, which I, we said when we were talking yesterday, it was going to have to come down to definition. The definition for retro is imitative of a style, fashion, or design from the recent past. So sure. when I... so. Retro, I think, by definition, would mean things that are attempting to be from an era, not yes. actually being from the era. So retro gaming, retro-styled gaming, when it's used in terms of indie games, modern indie games that use an 8-bit aesthetic or a 16-bit aesthetic, that use, you know, our single-screen platformers are very difficult, that sort of thing, that, I think, is it's a retro-styled game. But actual gaming, I think you have to go with classic gaming, um... Because it, 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 the, the mm. definition-wise, it harkens back to an earlier era. Mm. What, what's your thought? Well, classic doesn't necessarily mean that either, though, when you look at the actual definition. Judged over a period of time to be of the highest quality and outstanding of its kind. Remarkably, remarkably and instructively typical. That's how people usually use classic. Oh, it's the classic design that we were used to. Doesn't necessarily mean older. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean it. It can sure. be older. Doesn't necessarily mean it, though. And you also think um, classic movies. Classic movies does not imply that all old movies are classic movies. No. Uh, it was a classic. It came out in the 90s or 2000s. It doesn't mean... Sure. Back to the Future is considered a classic movie. And it's like, it's from... Well, even, that was a classic even 20 years ago. Like that. So, like, it's it's a tougher term, classic. Here's the cool thing about language, though. It, it evolves how people use it. Yes. Especially English. English is very adaptive uh, to how people use it. So when I was when I got into retro gaming, it wasn't a term yet. 
it was just older shit that I was into. I was into uh, Atari games even in the early '90s for some weird reason. I tried to buy, I tried to buy my my neighbor Billy's Atari Twenty Six Hundred games. I bought a Fifty Two Hundred at a flea market in like '92 because I, I I liked playing my grandparents. While we were playing NHL. You know, or, or at least we're at least playing Genesis. I wanted to go and play Atari games. I swear to God, when I was like ten, no, I believe it. I don't know why. I, I wanted to play Keystone Capers, and I don't know why. That's where I got the bug. I was that young. I was like, I want to do something simpler before my time, kind of. Uh, well, at least when, when I was barely walking, Keystone Capers came out. I don't know when I came out, eighty one, eighty two. Um, but then I got older, um, and then for some reason wanted to take a master system because I was insane when I was eleven. Uh, and then when I got to the mid nineties. I had regretted uh, selling my NES games a few years before at a probably a garage. I think a garage sale. I ended up selling them probably when I was like thirteen or twelve. And then I wanted to go back and rediscover these games. So even by the mid nineties, now it's retro gaming, right? Now it's like okay, I'm going to go in TSR's NES archive. It's not really retro yet, then, because people are still playing NES games in the mid to late nineties. But we're getting closer. I don't know when I first heard the term retro gaming. I cannot tell you the first time because even when I was going to digital press you know like 20 years ago it, it, digital press what was digital press what's on the sign it's not retro gaming store it's just video games right digital press video games it's literally what yeah. it's called they use one word video games because Joe Santulli from the old guard which I don't agree with that's all the conversation video games is two words it's two words not one uh, that's weird but it's just literally digital press video games buy sell trade cl- they use classic games current games. That's what they use. They never use retro. So I don't know where the term came from. I'm, I'm being per- perfectly honest. I don't know where it, where it came from. I, I think uh, it probably I, I think it just was co-opted by uh, advertising and marketing. You know, around 2000 I think was when I started to see uh, well, I mean, I had a Pac-Man shirt in high school that was not, you know, a Pac-Man shirt from the 80s. So people started to see, just like they did with the 70s, that you could milk nostalgia, uh, you know, with fashion, with tchotchkes, with t-shirts and all that. But I think I really started to see, like, the keep it old school, you know, shirts and stuff pop up at Hot Topics around, like, 2000 or so. And I think that's when the word retro started to make its way into... um, the lexicon but old school gaming retro gaming classic gaming you're right classic gaming i feel like actually deserves to be bandied around the least because it 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 it, it, it's a very specific definition um the only problem is i'm trying to think of a term that accurately would reflect say the Set late 70s era of gaming or the 80s era of gaming without saying 80s gaming because things like retro gaming and old school gaming even those are constantly updated with with every year that passes update with every year that passes yes. a new generation becomes well, old school or retro gaming we never adopted the comics things of like platinum gold silver bronze which i think would have yeah. would work i guess you could say like platinum would have been like everything up to like pong you could have said that sure. or something and then gold gold would have been up to NES we'll just say silver yeah we never did that because eventually you run out of colors at that point. true I mean that doesn't com- work well either because comics goes back to the, the 30s and the platinum was pre-comics which is like t- up to the teens I think late teens for like zines and stuff so like we're talking like almost 100 years of video games home console gaming is not 50 years old yet it's under it's going to be 50 years old next year so we're still like it's still way younger it's, it's the youngest it's the youngest medium out uh, here um, Wikipedia has a retro gaming article. One word, which I don't like either. Retro gaming, also known retro as... Retro gaming is one word? 
On Wikipedia. What? Retro gaming? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, yeah, I retro, retro gaming. Also known as classic gaming and old school gaming. I've never heard the term old school gaming in my life. I have used. heard the term. I, like I, I said, not. I mean, you've um, had to have seen the shirts keep it old school. I think that's where it comes yes, from. Yes, but I've never used it as in terms to describe a, a, um, a, a game store or a hobby. I've never heard sure. of it. Okay. It is the playing and or collecting of older and older, older versions of personal computers, consoles, and or video games, generally arcade. I'm not sure why I said generally arcade. That's not true. Uh, Wikipedia. In contemporary times. Usually, retro gaming is based upon systems that are obsolete or discontinued. That is true. It is typically put into practice for the purpose of nostalgia, preservation, or the need to achieve authenticity. That's not a bad definition. I don't agree with 100%, but that's... gets there that's pretty good uh, i don't think it's all i think how about just playing an older game before my time though typically it implies that that's most of the time when it's not um retro gaming has three main activities vintage retro gaming vintage gaming vintage gaming vintage gaming there's that's the what term. We're, that's the yes. term we're seeing vintage is exi- and is, that is a term i've heard before it's just escaped me this that's discussion. probably in terms of uh merriam webster definition without looking at vintage, vintage is closer than be. classic and retro yes because vintage is old not made to look old not a feel. Vintage is old. Uh, vintage uh, vintage car- is also used in terms of like fashion to clearly denote that it's actually from that time period. So yes, vintage would be proper. Yes, vintage is the proper term. It was never vintage. So okay, retro gaming has three main activities. Vintage, vintage retro gaming. Never heard that retro gaming emulation and ported retro gaming. Who's writing this article? Vintage retro gaming includes games that are played on the original hardware. Emulation involves newer systems. Simulating old gaming systems while ported retro gaming allowed games to be played on modern modern hardware. It'd be like people going through all the arcade archive stuff on the Switch or something. Like I never that. heard divided like that, but I guess it makes sense. No, it does make sense. I've never um, heard it that way either. Uh, d- additionally, the term could apply to a newer game that would feature similar to, to those older games, such as a retro RPG. Okay, vintage gaming is what it should be called. But then the, the, the point remains: when do you cut off vintage? Because that even applies to vintage toys. Sure, because that's that's about now. I think about it. vintage toys. Uh, you never hear vintage comic books though, because always it's age. But vintage toys, vintage collectibles, you you do hear that term. It's for like a previous generation, basically. It's right. vintage versus modern. And I think that that becomes an entirely different topic. Vintage Star Wars you... toys versus modern. When do you cut off? Is it the '90s Power of the Force line in the mid '90s? You know, is that now vintage? Like that's that makes sense though. When I when I saw vintage, like why couldn't we think of that? Um, particip- participants in the hobby are sometimes known as retro gamers in the United Kingdom. While the term classic game terms classic gamers or old school gamers are more prevalent in the United States, no, they're not. They're not. I, they're not more prevalent. Who's writing this article? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Can I be an expert and 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 edit this? Similarly, the games are known as retro games, classic games, or old school games. Yeah, old school games is not a term. That might be like a term for like 55 year olds. Or something. I don't. I don't know anyone has heard that term at a, con- a convention. What term? Old school gamers. I, I. I have not heard that term. I haven't. Okay, that's, that's fine. I'm getting insulted here. Okay, this is. I didn't know this was an article. This must it might be a newer article. Here, doesn't seem like it's poorly written. Honestly, I mean, it makes it. I just disagree. It makes a few good points. I just disagree with some of this. So what was, what was it? What was it? What was the topic? What's it, the proper term? Uh, it's not retro. It's not retro or classic. It's, it's vintage. It's vintage. <laughs> it's vintage. We solved the puzzle. We didn't think about that. It's really, honestly, it is vintage. But retro, vin- vintage, vintage avoids the 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 pitfalls of the other. I mean, two. Yes, vintage definition. I'll just look it up right now. Um, vintage is adjective. 
relating to or producing a particular vintage for, for wine. Of old, recognized, and enduring interest, importance, or, or quality. Of old. Yes. That's, that's the thing. Outmoded. Not old-styled. Dating from the past. Yes. That's the thing. The other ones don't really necessarily date from the past. There. They can they could reflect upon the past, but not necessarily refer to the past directly. There you go. That's, is, that, is, that a, is that a CU podcast vocabulary lesson? What is it? Is it CU vocabulary. CU yes. vocabulary lesson C- of the week? Of the week, week, week? Vocabulary. CU vocabulary. All right. Are we going to commission a little, a little animation of yeah. us? <laughs> it's the dance. All right. Dance. Um, what else is going on here? Are we done? We're done. We're done. We got an hour and like 40 minutes out of this. One, two, three, four topics only. Yeah, we're, we're, we're running out of steam here. Um, all right. Well, we got we got a couple of Q and A's for next week. Then, in case it's slow, we're old. We're old. We're old. We're old. We're working harder. It's not working out like that. All right. Um, what was I say? Uh, yeah. Happy New Year, everyone. If you're in Georgia, uh, you can go out and vote today. It's the last day to vote. Uh, help, help my predicted bets, please, please, please. And um, yes, please, please vote for good so that I can make more money. Hey. <laughs> Everyone wins. <laughs> it's true. There you go. I don't care how it gets there. It's just everyone wins. <laughs> um, and uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on uh, I'll be at Wednesday night. Twitch.tv slash country code. Maybe Ian will stop in one day to say hi to everyone because everyone loves Ian, but Ian doesn't love me. Um, Maybe yeah. tomorrow I'll be re- I'll be recuperating uh, from a uh, 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 a root canal. Oh, oh okay. so you're not working. Tomorrow, no. Oh, you're going to be loopy in the chat? Uh, I mean, no, probably not loopy. They're just going to fucking Novocaine me. They're, they're not going to give me anything. Is this the that. last procedure you're going through? <laughs> no. Jesus Christ, Ian. What's in your mouth? Holy shit. <clears throat> I am getting lots of dental work your done. Your maw. Uh, I, should, I, I should be done with dental work by the end of January. Okay. You got insurance, right? Other, right? Than, um, other than the implants, which uh, those will be very expensive. I'll have hey, to new chompers are great. Chewing on stuff and you feel like it's like a... I can't wait to eat nuts again. Oh, really? You can't eat nuts? Is it too? It's just kind of difficult because there's a big fucking gap tooth in the back. He's a walnut as a tooth. Just it in there. <laughs> they have the consistency of a tooth almost. Um, no, they don't. I love walnuts. I mean, shape of a walnut. This walnut shape is kind of like a tooth. They're kind of jaggedy edge. Pat, no, no they do. When you when you break <laughs> no, it open, the the inside of a walnut, not the outside. <laughs> The inside of a walnut. Okay, I guess so. Look at the inside of a walnut. It looks like a molar. Did you ever have those walnut no? dishes when you were growing up? Did you, like your grandparents ever oh, keep like a dish of hey, walnuts with the crackers? Let me tell you, you can you know you 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 know you grew up in the depression because you you really enjoyed eating nuts and walnuts because there was always the platter, the crystal platter with fucking it walnuts. Was a, it was a and silver dates. platter at my grandparents. Oh, we had a crystal <laughs> one, and it was like that. Is that died off? Like we had like, we had like really awesome nutcrackers. Oh yeah. You know, like the, like like the crab ones almost, and like the little the little pick utensil. Yep. Nothing's worrying. I mean, fasting. Has that died off? The art of the of nut eating. I was I was at the grocery store this year uh, before Christmas, and they Macadamia were selling nuts. They were selling big bags of walnuts, and they had the crackers hanging in the produce section. Oh. And I was like, if my teeth were just a little bit closer, were to they better, the hard metal ones that we had? Like I'm on, I mean, you can no, kill someone with them. I mean, those. it looked like it looked like a, a, a white ceramic. The the metal ones we right. had were nuts. No pun intended. You could literally you I mean, kill someone with them. I, they were heavy. They were not light. You could you could break a fist. Oh with no! Those. Yeah, you can use as a mafia boss. I'm going to ask my father who got 
The nutcrackers. Him or my or him or my uncle. Yeah, I want to know. Ourselves. I want to know who got my grandma's nut dish. Now there was the picks. <laughs> yeah, you got grandma's nuts one. <laughs> my grandma's nut dish. There were the, the picks. picks. They yeah. were made specifically they were for like that. Dental picks. They were for walnuts and for, for yeah. shit out of there. We had pecans. Walnuts, macadamia, and, and that cream colored. What was the cream colored? Con Brazil. Was what was the cream colored, like like teardrop shaped one, or eyeball shaped one? What was that nut? There was the there's the funky brown ones that are real white on the inside. Those are Brazil nuts. Hmm. Then pecans. Yep, macadamias. The walnuts were in my in my parents uh, or my grandparents. Have we gotten lazy with nuts? We just buy the we just buy them in a tin and we're done. Or buy them in a plastic. We got we got lazy with nuts. Last time I bought myself a bag of, of walnut halves and pieces, whoo, whoo, ate them all in like a day and a half. I love walnuts. I don't love walnuts. I think they're too a little bit too uh, dry. <sighs> I I love them like a, a good walnut fudge brownie. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's your. I mean, I like them on their own too. But I'm just saying, oh, like, that's that's, like I want a walnut brownie now. Who does it? Mm-hmm. I got the Atkins ones. They're actually not bad. They put a little. On, it, they're not bad at all. The Atkins brownies. All right, that's it. Got to go do something about we, this we brownie. Eat food. This brownie desire. Yeah. All right. We'll, t- we'll, see, we'll see you later.